it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to The Rundown. I have rebranded the show from Pardon the Corruption, which was a spinoff of uh, the ESPN show. Uh, and I, it never really felt right, Pardon the Corruption. It was supposed to be Pardon the Interruption. So I've, you know, I've gone with uh, The Rundown because there are a list of topics that we have to go through and we'll run them down. So that seemed a little bit uh, simpler. Uh, and uh, my guest today is Nigel. Hey, man, what's going on? Good, buddy. Thank you very much, by the way. It's, a, it's an honor to be here with the godfather of Raptors blogging, the guy who started it all. I, I was reading your articles years and years before I even thought about writing. So thank you very much for everything you've done here, my friend. You've made me who I am. <laughs> oh, th- th- thanks for the thanks for the very very uh, kind words and uh, no, I'm not, not so kind. entirely true, but I'll I'll take it. You know, it's true, uh, my friend. Let's you know. Let's let, this is a show where we kind of uh, we have a seven or eight topics identified, and you can see them on your screen there on the uh, on the right side or on the left side. It'll depend on where I put it in the edit. Uh, but we'll start off with uh, the Purtle effect, which is all the rage these days. Jakob Purtle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Raptors pull the trade. They finally get a big man in here. So what is your first observation? Like, what are your initial observations on how the team, like, play has changed because of Pirtle? We'll talk about his sort of impact to the, maybe the confidence of the team, but just purely from a basketball sense. Like, what has he brought to the Raptors that has made them, frankly, much more watchable than they were a month ago? Oh, yeah. Uh, 100%. Um, he's brought his impact has been mind blowing, to be honest with you. Um, I was not expecting this much of a jump. I was expecting a jump. I really thought having a center would change a lot of things, but offensively and defensively, he's been fantastic. Um, especially with his usage. I think his usage is about 15.7. Uh, and you've got guys like Siakam, you've got guys like Barnes, FVV. They need the ball a lot in their hands. He's the perfect foil. Um, he's the glue guy we desperately needed. And he creates gravity without the ball. And that's something that we haven't had before. Where He also creates multiple points of gravity through his actions. You're, you're getting guys running off the ball movement. It's, it's, it changes with him being on there. Even yesterday, we saw a situation where every play seemed to be coming out of a pick and roll because it was dead. And he just decided, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to move in here. And you guys are going to have to play around it, which is... Everything we needed from him so far and more. Uh, I don't think he was given enough credit at San Antonio for his impact offensively. Um, I think if you look at his numbers of the prior years to this year, uh, they were all expected wins were all in the 20s. Um, one of the things I was skeptical about for this trade was he was taking over that connecting role that Scotty was just doing so well at. Instead of sitting in the corners, he was part of the team the whole time. He was active. He was initiating... A lot of the actions. That's my one thing. I'd like to get Scotty more involved. He does have a an ability to wait in the background a bit too much for me. But uh, Pirtle has just done what Scotty was doing at a way higher rate. So from that point of view, it's been okay. 
I'm not even like, I don't see them as uh, like, you know, like you feed one and you have to starve the other. Uh, I, I, I don't see them as a, as a mutually exclusive option, really. Um, but, but what I, I mean, you, you, you kind of mentioned it there. But by the way, gravity is a really nice way to put it because I think he does shift the defense a little bit more. Uh, but, you know, you, you hit the nail on the, on the head there with the pick and roll, which I've been talking about for about a few months now, how the Raptors just are not very good at running the pick and roll. And he's brought that element to the roster. And I think last night, we're recording this on uh, Friday, uh, last night against the Pelicans, you also saw his impact on the offensive glass. Like oh, there no. were key rebounds that he got off of, I think, Siakam misses or, or or some threes that were missed that he put, like he was, he was there contesting for it. He had the experience to kind of time his... Uh, jumps properly and and he, and he made a massive impact against a very very good Pelicans team. Um, so I think the gravity aspect for sure, definitely sifting the defense, the pick and roll aspect for sure, and also like he's not like I'm not saying he he moves amazingly without the ball, but he does present himself. Like whenever you see the offense sort of dry down a little bit or slow down, uh, or maybe the ball is getting stuck with Scotty. Pirtle is not a let me just wait, let me just watch the play type of guy. He will get involved in the play, and he knows. But just because I think his San Antonio training, like he knows when to sort of cut. Yesterday, uh, in in the fourth quarter, I think uh, there was this one play where Scotty was kind of, you know, he had the ball on the left side of the court, and the and the and the play was kind of going nowhere. But him and Pirtle combined, and he hit him with like a nice bounce pass. And Pirtle, who reminds me a little bit of Kevin Willis in terms of his finishing, Kevin because Willis. he will use the hook Whoa. shot even when a hook shot is not needed. He's so Whoa. trained to, to use the little <laughs> hook that uh, he's so comfortable with it that he, that he uses it a lot. So, so I, I totally see Scotty and him playing well together. And I think I think last night in the fourth quarter we saw a bit of that. Yeah, I, I, I he doesn't need the ball, and that's the key, yeah. right? He can do things that others don't do on the court. He moves on the court to the best spot and he creates situations that we haven't got those guys out there right now. It's not like we have a, a, a guy like, uh, so for instance, OG, I like to see him cut more, do that 45 degree cut, get inside the paint, do a lot of things that where we are setting him up for, as opposed to him trying to create on his own. He allows that to happen. Jakob. Yeah. And, and I think we, we were kind of spoiled with Gasol here those couple yeah. of years, right? When uh, he, he had the ball in the in the high post and he sort of motivated guys to cut. When you don't have a big man or, 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 a, or a guy who will find you on the cut, you sort of lose motivation to cut. You sort of, you, you go to what, what you're comfortable with and everybody's comfortable parking on the three-point line, which is what the Raptors really end up doing. So Pirtle, just having, a, know, knowing that you have a guy who will find you if you cut, or at least will try to find you, does motivate you to move without the ball. And I think we're seeing that as well. But, man, but at the end of the day, how simple is, is basketball that you introduce one player, oh. you know, not not even like an all-star level player or just, just one good piece, and he, ma- he makes the entire system better, right? It's, but it's, 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 it's amazing. But at the same time, how many people can do that? Who, how many players can create that multiplier effect? There's not many, right? And we've seen that out so many other centers that we've tried to play. Uh, he is just, he fits the system. He understands how to move off the ball. To, thanks to San Antonio, that training is, and he has transformed his game from what I remember of it. 
Uh, I just remember a little po- pogo stick that used to uh, kind of blow his offensive side, but defensive side he was very very good. All of a sudden he knows how he can he has the old man ability to read the play before it happens and be in the right spot. And his footwork now it's it's almost ballet like. <laughs> he's just one or two steps and he's in the right spot. Very simple, very easy game that is has huge effects all around. Yeah, and and I, and I like that that he keeps it simple. You're not gonna see him try to take a fade, or he, he's he's not gonna try like a like a Kareem hook shot, or he like he's not gonna do <laughs> things that he knows he's not very good at. Because in San Antonio, you get drilled efficiency, you get drilled playing the right way. So you're not gonna take a half baked shot, which the coach will say, "Hey, that's a that's clearly a bad shot." I know. I mean, in, in the games that I've seen him play so far, I don't think he's taken a bad shot. I think everything he's done has been sort of within the confines of this. I'm not counting like the, the you know. Yeah, I agree. No, I agree 100%. Yeah. But one thing, how ugly is that shot though? Buddy, I look at that the shot. I want to close my eyes every time. <laughs> the, the hook? No, that little push shot, especially on the free throws. Oh, my God. What is yeah. that? Yeah, I mean it, it. It is, but you know the percentages are okay. Oh, absolutely, uh, I agree. You know, and and it's not like he takes a lot of like jumpers, so it never really comes into play a lot. He does more or less finish around the rim. Um, but I did observe that he he uses the hook shot even when there's no need for the hook shot, which is, which is a bit odd. <laughs> He's, a, you know, what? it's it's amazing. It's been amazing. Um, um, we all knew we need the center, right? We all knew that was the case, but. To have a center who's performed and taken this team to the level that has, it's like, he's, do you remember those early numbers we got from Coloco, um, first couple of weeks and how he tr- transformed the defense? He's taken that promise and he's made it sustainable or it seems to be sustainable. That promise is there. Yeah, I, I think so. And I, and I think as to like when we realized we needed a center, uh, I think maybe probably two months into the season, it became sort of <laughs> obvious. That we can't really we, we, we can't really win playoff games with this roster. It, it no. would it would take like a Herculean effort from many players to overcome the lack of rebounding in defense. Uh, you know, so I think so. I think I, I think we've covered Pertle enough. I think I think next up uh, is Scotty. So so he's a guy that I, I know you've been a you you want a lot of things from him. Uh, I think. Generally speaking, a lot of people, especially the wrap-up show guys, have been a little critical of his defense uh, this season. Uh, when they mentioned it, I started paying a little bit more attention to his defense, and I did notice that he 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 does uh, he you know he's not always always committed to the defensive side. I feel that could be for many reasons, but I know you feel like that he's coming on strong these days. Well, I feel like with him, it's that chaos that he creates. He needs to be with this environment with Pirtle, especially who has that. He has the ability to create a very solid foundation for any defense. Now, with his craziness out there, you can you, it can happen. He can do those little things. He kind of reminds me of like Tony Allen back in the day from Memphis. You know, when he was just doing all kinds of crazy things and drawing the defense this way and that. Scotty has that ability to not be in the right position, but still somehow. It, it it just it can work and it can't work. It can go both ways against you. That's the problem. But I think now in this scenario with Hurdle, I think it's fixed. Or fix it's more it, we're more able to function. Yeah, I mean Scotty to me is 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 a wild card, right? I, mm-hmm. I think we're seeing a player who is 
finding his spot in the NBA. He's kind of like jack of all trades, king of none yes. right now, which is kind of how I want a rookie to be. Like, I don't want a rookie to kind of settle in and say, this is my role now. Like, I, I think Scotty is in the exploration stage of his career where he's trying to figure out what his gaps are, what his strengths are. And, you know, it's a year and a half in the NBA. That's not a whole lot of time. Uh, so, 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 so when I see Scotty kind of like run... Uh, he reminds me of a quarterback who has where, where the defense is rushing him and he's out of pocket and he's got to do something. That's a great point. That's a great point. That's basically how I see Scotty on like a lot of possessions, including last night. And he tends in those situations to make the right decision. It's not like he's uh, turning the ball over a lot. Uh, no. he, he, my, my issues with Scotty have mostly been on the defensive side, not offensively. I think offensively he's done well to sort of relieve Siakam from his playmaking responsibilities when he's got to. Uh, I think his post-up game is great. His face-up game has been uh, amazing. I don't think he's scared of taking anyone down into the post. I don't think he's a, he has a he has a fear factor in him at all, which is what you love in a rookie. So, Scotty, man, like he, this is this is like he's absorbing things, and uh, like this season, we're not going to win titles this year. So this this year, as I said at the start of the year, is going to be a development year, and I think Scotty is developing as per plan. Uh, my only beef for them is that. He does take defensive possessions off. And I know last time I mentioned this, people were like, well, everybody takes defensive possessions off. Well, that's not a strong counter-argument. To, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. I think you can say a lot about his mastery of his skills, but I don't think you can ever question his ability to, to affect winning. He has that specialness that he can turn a situation around in five minutes by just taking control. And that's that's a very very unusual thing. It's kind of Vince like back in the day. That's a that's a guy who I remember having that little that energy to create that moment to make it his. And he has that. And that's that's the really exciting part for me. I think once he figures out who he is as a player, and that's going to take a while. Once he sees the court, once he understands what he can do and what he's best at, he is going to be special in, in my mind. Yeah, and, and and he does have a, a tendency to surprise people. Still, people are people people are genuinely like a little because I, I I've gone back to by the way I've I started this season watching the Raptors broadcast. I switched it back to the other team. I I, I can't. I'm with you, especially that you know what I love. I love uh, the Pelicans team. Uh, that broadcast is fantastic. AD over there, he always gives me some insights. I, I don't even care who it is, man. It's just, it just can't be contact, no calls. I'm tired of the contact, no calls. Uh, so, 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 so I mean, going going by what other people's impressions are, and I think the broadcasters of other teams are, a, you know, a decent, you know, decent amount of people. Barometer, yeah. A, a good set of people to get an opinion on. He does surprise people, uh, especially with his face-up game, how quickly he will come up the floor and immediately get into the block and execute a move early in the clock, you know, with less than, uh, you know, with, with still like 14, 15 on the clock, he will make a move. I think that's Scotty's strength. He takes people by surprise and he has the skills to finish. Uh, and yeah, for, for this season, I almost have like no complaints with Scotty other than his, his uh, slight defensive work. His quickness, that's, yeah, that's the surprising part for a guy with that body type to be as quick as he is. I you can understand why he doesn't look like he's that guy who's going to jump at you, but he grabs those rebounds. He's the first to get there. He'll take those big men off the bounce because he can do that. They don't see here the similar size, but the quickness is just on a different level. 
What do you think the next step in his offensive development is? Well, I, I'd like to see more structure around the offense anyway to begin with. Uh, I'd like to see him coming out of that pick and roll a lot more on both sides uh, uh, as, a, as the roller and as the handler. I like, I'd like to have – that's where I see him coming further up is through the pick and roll. Mm. Okay, so I think that's a nice segue to our next topic, which is Nick Nurse. And when this, when this to- topic was brought up uh, in, a, in, a, in our pregame uh, chat, you know, uh, I, I, my, my line was like, hey, Nurse, he's kind of doing okay. I guess he can still coach now that he has <laughs> And you were like, well, I think he's regressed. So why am I going to explain the Nurse regression? So for me, I think sometimes he gets lost in the trees. Um I, I, as a as a manager, as an ex and those guy, I he I can't say anything because he's all way beyond me, my understanding. Um, what I'm really worried about is he a great manager of people? Uh, does he take the pieces that he has has and maximize their effectiveness? Makes the 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 sum greater than the whole, and that's one of the things I always worry about with nurse X's and O's, not at all. Managing people, yeah. And I think sometimes he gets lost in that personnel versus philosophy. His philosophy on how to run this team is more important than the pieces that he's playing with. He tries to sometimes put square pegs into round holes. Um, and that kind of that stubbornness is starting to bug me a little bit at times, right? I'd like to see more structure on that offense. I'd like to see a lot more structure on that offense. Uh, our, our effectiveness on the shooting is just horrible. And we just rely all three points from defense to transition to offense are all energy related. You can't do that and expect to have be successful over an 82 game season. Uh, you know, I, I think every coach is dogmatic to some degree. Uh, I, I think I think your your criticism of a nurse is fair. Uh, I could have said that about Dwayne Casey as well. I could have said that about uh, Sam Mitchell as well. Uh, they, they, I think every coach has sort of like Tom Thibodeau is another guy who like who has a particular style of playing. Uh, and and I, you can probably go through all NBA coaches and pick one characteristics that they have that they are kind of sticklers for. Uh, and and I think that's been a criticism of Nurse. I think Joel Embiid said it, you know, the other day that he's more concerned with stopping the best player than he is about winning the game, which is, uh, you know, we hate Embiid, uh, but that is th- that that criticism. <laughs> It, it rang a little true as much as I don't like him. And it, it, they were true words, I felt. Okay, I've got a question, um, though, Zahar. Don't you think that what drew you to Nurse when he first came in was his adaptability to the moment, the ability to create the box and one, the wall, all of those things he's put into play on the, in the moment, and he's made it work. And that, I think, was what I thought was the genius of Nurse. Um, now I think he's gone from being a tactician to a, to a strategist, and, and all the tactics are based on that strategy. And I think that strategy may be the fault. If that if you have a faulty strategy and you're putting in tactics underneath to to make that strategy come true, then that's going to be an issue. That's that's my problem with him. It's just that lack of adaptability that he had prior. Yeah, I think I think you know in this debate, and I've had this a couple times before. Like I'm on the side of there's a lack of personnel for him to coach the mm-hmm. way he wants to coach. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and this has been brought up a couple times. And I, I don't know, I just find myself on the idea of like, if your bench, if your bench is Delano Banton and Malachi Flynn, and you don't have a center, I don't care how great your tactics or strategies are, you're not going to win a lot of games. 
I, I think at the end of the day, it's about personnel. And I think the Raptors were lacking personnel. And now that you have Pirtle there, I think you're seeing results. So suddenly, uh, the, the criticisms of Nurse have gone significantly down. Nobody's, you know, you know, you know winning, right? mud at him. And what, what, he just learned how to coach suddenly? No. <laughs> he, got, he, he, he can run the pick and roll now. He has almost like a fallback when the offense doesn't work. So I'm, I find myself, you know, like I'm, it's difficult for me to criticize nurse. The one argument that somebody made the other day, which I was like, okay, is that he maybe hasn't tried as many lineup experimentations as people would have liked him to, especially with Malachi Flynn running the point. I think he was, he's been relying very heavily on Fred and Siakam. So I, I, I take that as fair criticism of him, but overall it's just difficult for me to say that he's, uh, he's dropped the ball. Yeah, I, 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 again, I really feel like a great manager takes the personnel he has and creates his, his strategy based on that rather than taking the big picture. This is what's going to happen, and you've got to do this, and when you can't, and that's been the problem for me. Man, I think we're doing pretty well on segues because if, if you're going to talk about strategy, <laughs> I, will contend, I will contend that the strategy was imposed on him. Not necessarily. Oh, ooh, interesting. Uh, I like it. Describing to it, we'll never know the answer, the true answer yes, to that. Yes, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, that's uh, I mean, that's what that's what sports is about. There's always this like uh, ambiguity there. But yeah, let, let's let's talk about Masai. I, I know you felt pregame that uh, Masai's uh, maybe is a little too patient. Explain that uh, a little bit. So I don't. So okay, the problem with Masai to say whether he's too patient or not too patient. He's like that Wizard of Oz. He's hidden behind the wall, and you don't even know what's going on. Um, But unlike the Wizard, he's all stake and no sizzle. There's no little gadgets going around there. What he does, he has a reason for. He's very slow. He's very methodical. Um, Sometimes I feel he's a little too worried about the short-term value on deals. Sometimes he can be a little cheap, and that can be a little irritating because – why didn't we get this Pirtle deal done last year? This is always the question that everyone's asking. Maybe there was a pricing involved. I'm not sure. I don't know. But every, everything comes down to assumptions with, with uh, Masai. And that's a big issue for me. Like, I, I always make these assumptions, and then I have to worry about, am I making an assumption here? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I can see what's in front of me, and I know he can see what's in front of us. But how the reaction is very... It's within the focus of the strategy. And like you said, he's an extraordinary strategist. Uh, I just did a recent piece on, uh, on Bruno Caboclo. And one of the things I've noticed is that he takes a formula. He takes a situation and he regurgitates it in slight changes. Uh, he makes those evaluations based on what has happened in the past. Uh, it's like a case study for him. Everything is a case study. He looks back in the past and tries to see what little tweaks and changes can be made to make everything better going forward. Yeah, I, 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 I think I can. I think I can take a, a stab at answering the question on why the portal trade wasn't made last year. Uh, I think they were legitimately trying to figure out if they can build a team without a traditional center, and I think they needed to give some space and time to, to get the data on that little experiment out. And I think uh, last year. I, I I didn't necessarily see last year as a hugely successful year like many people did. I thought the Philly, Philly sweep 
which was heading down to a sweep until the last two games, uh, was you know an okay performance. But I I went into last season knowing that it was a rebuilding year, and I and it sort of met my expectations. Uh, but I didn't think we had collected enough data last year to say that we can build or not build a team uh, without a center in there. So I I, I kind of excused Masai for heading into this season with a flimsy situation at center. And I'd like to give him a little bit of credit. You know, there's a lot of people who are dogmatic and who might not, who might have still said, you know, let me let me stick to what I'm doing. This is right. And kind of like force the issue. And, and to see him pivot and change his mind midway through the season and pull a deal and give up a first-round pick for near-term value, I think that shows adaptability. And, I, and you talked about Nurse's adaptability earlier. So I think if you appreciate that adaptability, you have to appreciate Masai's adaptability to this situation. Well, I think your premise is wrong. That's why. <laughs> I think he always wanted a center. He just didn't have the right center. We had we tried a couple of centers, right? Baines, we tried Lens, we tried a couple of things. He was always look, and he was always talking about Pirtle. So I think he always wanted a center. He just didn't have the right center. Uh, so to me, that's why I don't think your argument is correct. But I will. But since you are the Godfather, I will gladly take it, my friend. No, I mean, so I mean, so then 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 our next topic doesn't really. Uh, makes sense because our next topic is, is this the end of Vision 6-9? So if he always wanted a, a big man in there, then you can argue that, well, there was never a thing called a Vision 6-9 and it was all, all just media hype. I, 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 at no point did he ever say that. This is the thing about Vision 6-9. Did he ever call it a Vision 6-9? He said he wanted length. He wanted size across the board at the back. And he, he was in that uh, U.S. Uh, tryout. We put Kevin Durant and a bunch of guys across, and they all put their arms across. And he said, how are you going to get through this, right? So I, I don't know where Vision 6-9 came from. I think the idea of length and mobility, yes, I think that's his idea. But he's also said there's, uh, there's a lot of places for people of different sizes out there as well. And if you're going to have size, if length and mobility is your thing, then a center at seven foot with, with with even more length, who's almost as mobile, can cover just as much space, if not more. That's so. To me, I think Vision Six Nine is one of those Rorschach things where you take it as you want to take it. What, what happened is up to you. Yeah. So th- this story, th- this this we had this debate in the Raptors Republic uh, Discord, I think. Uh, and uh, somebody asked this exact same question: Is like, where does the Vision Six Nine come from? And it actually comes from uh, this article that's on the um, that I'll post as. as, as actually, a, I was the one asking that question. It, it was it was you was asking. Okay, so <laughs> then you got your answer. So, so there was a stated, uh, you know, Vision Six Nine uh, comment made by Masai, where he did express uh, how the, you know maybe maybe the new NBA. Or at least he wants to try something uh, th- where there are a lot of le- there's a lot of length on the on the score uh, on the court. But you're right. I don't think he ever said I don't want a center. Yeah. Yes. We exactly. Extrapolated the vision six nine into no center because we didn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I'll tell you something. One of the things, my biggest issue playing that donut, no, uh, no donut defense is. Uh, is that puts so much pressure coming? We're, we're, we're how many threes do we give up? I hope 
that we're going to give up a lot less threes now that we we don't have to bring from both sides. So we can now we can play the low man instead, right? And we're just one guy coming over instead of giving up that short corner three that we were giving up before. Yeah. And and, and also, like, people who are... Uh, there was a few comments I heard about, uh, well, the Raptors don't like to sag on defense, and with Pirtle, they're, they're forced to sag because he can't really defend the, the perimeter. Well, I don't know. It's just an, it's an argument that, I, that I've heard is that the Raptors don't like to sack. Portal is a big man. He has to sack. So what? Like, am I the only one who's like, it's like there's a big so what element here? Like, I think we're, we're sort of overstating Portal's defensive liabilities. And I find it extremely odd that we're talking about Portal's defensive liabilities when we're a very poor defensive team <laughs> without Portal. So yeah. what are we even complaining about when we're saying that we, we have to adjust how we play defense? So I think to a certain extent, I understand what what they're saying is that maybe not so high because he's a little he is not able to deal one hundred percent with a, a guy who can beat him off the dribble and, and recover. But as he said in that press conference yesterday, as long he's out of position, he knows he's out of position, but that's his job, and he also knows that the job of his teammates is to cover for him. So he has to trust in that. And maybe it's defensively, it's a different scenario than it used to be for him in, in San Antonio, where they're very defensive uh, or they're very conservative in their defense. It's a much more aggressive scenario. But can he play? Yeah, I, I trust in him to do. He's a very, very smart guy and very capable. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I guess the answer to is this the end of Vision 6-9 was that, well, Vision 6-9 was a phantom idea by the fans. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's a satisfying Yeah, I, well, I don't know what that Vision 6-9 was. I, I, is it the end of it? No, I think it's maybe the Vision, whatever it's going to be, is fantastic. Is better this way than it was before. Whatever it is, I think what it it got us is it it allowed us to see Pascal Siakam playmake a lot. And I think over yeah. the last year and a half, Siakam has developed his uh, court vision and playmaking uh, tremendously. Fantastic. I think he's a you know a hundred percent better passer than he was a year and a half ago. So if that's the outcome that comes out of this, I think even that sort of is worth it because it's not like last season or this season we were actually on a on a on a contention path. So I'll take the Vision Six Nine learnings and and move forward. And man, another segue. We talk about cores and. You know, is this is this team a championship core? Do we have a championship core? Uh, is is the question? Well, first I, I'll let you answer that. But first, before you do that, what is the core? And do you think whatever a championship core yeah, means? That's a great point too. Can you can you take this roster and add in a couple of more hurdle type pieces with Pascal Siakam still the best player on the team? With Fred Van Vliet still the second best player on the team and Scotty Barnes, whatever, you know, is is this core capable with a couple of more additions at the Pirtle level be able to compete for a title? So did you see that uh, uh, the the video today from uh, Coach Casey 
on what happened uh, on what uh, on their championship run. And one of the things that we learned from that championship run is that you need one. We've got a lot of very good pieces. We don't have a great piece. Not yet. Maybe Scotty can be. I I, I find it hard Pascal for... That piece? Sorry? You don't think Pascal's that piece? Um, not yet. I, I, I think he'd be a great 1B. I don't think he's a 1A at this point. What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I, I took issue with uh, Sahal the other day dropping the word superstar on uh, Pascal Siakam. Yeah. I think Pascal Siakam is a star. I think he's a very good player. Uh, he is, you know, I hate to like sound like the old guy, but he sort of reminds me of uh, Chris Bosh. Uh, he reminds mm-hmm. me of the Chris Bosh era where you have like one very, very good player mm-hmm. uh, and we're trying to build around him and we're kind of hitting some walls. It's not a criticism of Siakam. I like Siakam. Uh, he's my mm-hmm. son's favorite player. Uh, yeah. So, you know, kudos, kudos to Siakam. But I, I sort of agree with you. Um, I think this question can be translated to, can the Raptors win a title with Pascal Siakam as their best player? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of our situation before with Lowry and Damar. We really are in that scenario right now where we've got some really nice pieces. We just don't have that great piece. And, you know, Siakam has said that he wants to be a top five player but he's not at this point. And once, if he becomes a top five player, then it's a, then, you know, that's a whole different yeah. formula, right? But he's not. Yeah. And, and also I think from, if you look at from the asset perspective, I know we have some free agents coming up, but there's always sign in trades we can make. Uh, our asset base is quite strong. Like if you, if you look at the Raptors oh, roster, up or down, I mean, they're, you know, they have desirable players, uh, Gary Trent, Fred Van Vliet, and, and people saying, who's going to want Fred Van? There's going to be plenty of suitors for Fred Van Vliet if, if this Raptors decide to move in an in, in in SNT or something like that. Uh, well, I haven't looked at the cap situations of teams, so don't hold me to that. But Fred Van Vliet is a desirable player. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because we, we we have problems with him doesn't mean other, other teams necessarily will, will have the same issues. Uh, so the asset base is nice. Uh, We've waited, you know, what, four years for a Kawhi-type trade? I think we're accumulating a lot of assets. Could this be the summer where we parlay this into something big? I don't know, but I I do know our asset base isn't too shabby. Would you have done that Kevin Durant trade? Sorry? Would you have done that rumored Kevin Durant trade in the summer? If Kevin Durant was available, would you have given up Scotty Barnes, let's say an OG... No. And a couple of other pieces for him. No, I, I wrote a piece about this at the time. I, and the, the, the guy that I refused to part in that trade uh, was Scotty Barnes. Uh, and, you know, like you could make the argument that, well, could you have given Scotty Barnes up, paired Siakam and Durant, and would that have gotten you out of the East? I'm not so sure about that. I really am not so sure about that. I, I think this team needed more than that. And you saw, you know, Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. You could say he arguably had better players than what the Raptors have on the Brooklyn roster. And that didn't go anywhere. So even in hindsight, I don't think I would make that move. Durant asked for Siakam specifically to the Nets once when Kyrie left, right? So there is there is something between the two of them. Um Sometimes I think we get so emotionally attached to a player of our own that we forget what their real value is. I, I'm one of those guys who believe a, a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. Um, I'll take what's in front of me if 
if I could have Durant, I hate to say this, but I would have given him <laughs> Don't kill me. Don't kill me. Don't at me on this one, boys. I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm not because I'm just thinking more than one year. Uh, and Durant, you know, other than Golden State, you know, has sort of struggled with with, with teams he's he's gone to. And as much as, as phenomenal as a player he is, uh, I, I do think I, I do I, see. I'm not going to be a Raptor fan for one year. I'm going to be a Raptor fan for like the rest of my life. So mm-hmm. I got to look look at a little broader outlook. And I like what I see in Scotty. I'm okay with being patient. Like I've been patient since the championship year. I've always said, man, you win a title. The, the GM, the management gets five years to do whatever the hell they want to do. <laughs> Free right? You want to do what you got to do. You want to lose? That's cool because you gave us a title. You get free five years. And they have one more year after this one. So even next year, I'm totally good with whatever. You're a very kind man. You're a very kind. I'm not so kind. I want something now, buddy. I want it now. But look at Kawhi. He was a one-year thing at the end of the day, right? He got that when he was that one year we knew it was going to be, and it happened something magical. Whether you know it's variance or whatever, maybe we got very very lucky. But I want that championship back. Yeah. Okay, so let's 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 move on to our our, our I think our final topic, which is uh, summertime options. I think the rest of the season. Oh, by the way, let me let me just quickly ask you: the Raptors making the playoffs? Well, is, by, by playoffs, do you mean the sixth spot? Um, I, I, mean, I doubt. No, 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 no. I mean, I mean, uh, whether they make the play-in. Yeah, yeah. Then uh, yes, the then yes. Uh, no, 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 no. Make uh, the play-in and then win the play-in and go into the playoffs proper into a seven-game yes. series. I'm, I'm, I, I believe so too. I believe. Yeah, so. I, I don't. The way they're playing right now, I'm. My actually, you know what? One of the. If, can we just for a segue for a second back? Um, one of the things the last four or five games is our inability to, to score. And to close out, we've had a lot of very tight games where the other, for some reason, the other team seems to be scoring really well at the end, the last two or three minutes, and we seem not to be able to. What do you think the reason for that is? Uh, I think we have, our, our defense has been porous for quite some time now. I think it starts with giving up dribble penetration. I think you saw with McCollum yesterday, and I know McCollum's a very good player, so you know, not stopping CJ McCollum is not necessarily. <laughs> doesn't speak poorly of your of your defense overall but as a trend the raptors give up a lot of dribble penetration and that is a byproduct of having a lot of tall lanky guys on the perimeter uh i think that is a big thing we give up a lot of offensive rebounds uh that's a problem so yeah i think those are i mean basketball is not that complicated of a sport you give up dribble penetration you put yourself in very vulnerable positions uh and you and you obviously you 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 open up open up yourself to offensive rebounds uh so it's not it's not, nothing surprising for me because our defense has been poor for quite so, so for so long that I can't really point out to one particular stretch and say that's why the defense is poor. They've just been bad for a couple of years now. I, I remember last year the problem was overcommitment and over closing out too hard on the three point line. Uh, this year it's more dribble penetration. So there's always like some massive leaky hole in this bucket, uh, and. I think in the championship year, that was nicely concealed by Kawhi at, at, at the wing, but also uh, some very, very strong big men who could, like, you know, mm-hmm. repel mm-hmm. some of these attackers. We haven't had that. Pirtle is not really a great defensive center. I mean, he's, I mean, even though he had an amazing block yesterday, and he, and he does contend some, he had six blocks in one game. So he's, he's definitely surprised me with how good he has been defensively. So I'm hoping, like, he keeps that up and the Raptors see the effects of that on the, on the, on the defensive side. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let, let's round off with uh, with summertime options. Uh, summer's around the corner. Uh, I read an article today on some website that they said the sun will not set down before 6 p.m. for the next eight months. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, celebrate that. Uh, so in, in, in within those eight months, while the set, uh, sun is setting uh, after six o'clock, it's going to be free agency time. Mm. Do you have any particular uh, ideas or any targets that you've identified that you're like, you know, the Raptors could make a, a, a play for something like that? So I want us to have what we have and take it to another. We haven't had enough time together. It's like uh, parting is such sweet sorrow, my friend. I'm not I'm not leaving you. Okay, we. I'd like to see that these guys have a year together, and then make that choice. Um, and as you said, as they play better, their asset value gets better too. If we really want something to happen, we're going to have to make our players even more attractive, so we can grab that spot, or we get that development internally that we have a guy who's a top five player, a top ten player, right? Sackham's there, a top. 15, top 20, you know, depending where he is at that moment. But that, that real difference maker, that great one, somehow we have to get him. Yeah. Well, you know, there's, uh, you know, there, if you look at the free agency market, I'm just, I got this, you know, I'm on sport track right now. And uh, there's a couple of guard options. And I know a lot of, a lot of Raptor fans want guards. Uh, and these are like, kind of like wish lists, but uh Middleton's has a player option, a very lucrative player option. I don't know what the Raptors' interest there might be. Uh, probably not. Probably not achievable. Kyrie's out there. Uh, he is. A, he is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, any uh, any any uh, any interest in a, in a big move like that, or are you no. looking at something a little bit more nuanced? No, I, I just want. I think at this point. We need to get what we have and understand it better to evaluate it. Um, we don't have that right now. I, and you know what? We're adding another factor. There's so many different players we could add in there, but then there's all what are we willing to give up for it too, right? At this point, I just want to see, keep it simple, just move forward, slow and steady wins the race, right? And I think if we can somehow get all of these guys in free agency that we have and sign them up, I don't know how we're going to do that. Maybe get rid of Malachi, maybe get a couple of other pieces. We can take the same group, give it one more year. That's what I want from this summer. I'll give you one free agent, which uh, I think, uh, you know, again, we're probably not going to get him, but Christian Wood. I'm I not like a fan. Christian. I'm not a fan. Not a fan. I think offensively, offensively, great. Defensively, you know what? It's a liability, right? Yeah. Uh, I know some people don't care about that, which I understand. You know, we should, but I, I, I don't want him. <laughs> he's won me over this year. He's won me over this year. Yeah, yeah, he's been fantastic. He has been fantastic in Dallas, right? And no doubt about it. He's been a great. Those two have been together, fantastic, uh, Luca and him. But again. I, I, can you imagine Nurse playing Christian Wood? Could you imagine the fireworks that would go off there? Forget it. There would be a locker room tantrums every day. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that too. Uh, but, but we should give a little bit of love to uh, uh, one of our resurgent power forwards, Chris Boucher. 
who's, mm. uh, who's back into the mix after after a, a, a rough stretch there. So kudos to that guy. I mean, uh, unbelievably beautiful dunk. I, you know, just it's you know our Instagram. If you look at the Rappers World Instagram, they posted a, a comparison of that and the Jordan eighty eight dunk from the free throw line. Uh, it it I mean I know it sounds stupidly. It's like why well, you why are you comparing Michael Jordan to freaking you know Chris Boucher? But there's a there, there's a, if you if you go frame by frame on that dunk, I'm sure you'll find a frame in the Chris Boucher dunk, which is somewhat similar to the Jordan dunk at some point. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let that comparison stand. His aesthetics were beautiful. It was just yeah. a moment. It was a moment. Yeah. Absolutely breathtaking. Well, Nigel, I think we've uh, hit the 43-minute mark here. And uh, it's been great to bring the show back and uh, uh, rebranded as a rundown. So, uh, you know, it was nice talking to you, man. And thank you for coming on. Oh, hey, listen, I love it. Buddy, thank you so much for having me. You, I know that there was a lot of people come, want, wanting to be on this show. And you asked me. So I really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Sounds good, man. Also had a lot of fun, too, so. 